morning, Momentum Church. So this is a little bit different. We're not going on a cave tour this morning. Everybody, welcome to Ruby Falls. I'll be your tour guide this evening. Yeah, so obviously this is a little different. Um, t- today we're going to be talking about uh, the idea of control. The idea of control. Now, everybody here, whether you like it or not, you have control issues, okay? Whether you, every person in here, we all have control issues. Turn to your neighbor and, and, or the person around you and say, I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a control freak. Now, now, here's the thing, though, okay? If you didn't turn to your neighbor or somebody around you right then, you have control issues. <laughs> so, there's that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this is one of those things where I haven't, you know, I, I grew up going to church, so I heard a lot of different sermons, lots of different sermons on control, especially. Anybody heard the, the sermon, you know, like, you don't need any control. You don't need control over anything in your life. Just give every bit of your life over to God. Anybody heard that sermon before? I can still see you, so raise your hand. You can't see me, but I can see you. Yeah, that sermon doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, right? Like, is that where Jesus take the wheel came from? Has anybody tried that? I'm just saying, right? (laughs) It doesn't seem very practical to me. Um, You know, and I was talking with a a young lady who, she has has multiple children, but she's also gone through a few miscarriages, and she's gone through some other tragedies in her life, and um, I I was talking with her, and and she was kind of opening up in conversation, and she's like, you know, the whole idea of just give God control of everything in your life, that sounds really good. But whenever you've experienced the tragedies that I've experienced in my life, how does that actually work? And I thought that was a brilliant question. And I posted on Facebook, um, you know, hey, give me, give me some topics that you want to hear me preach on. And there were a bunch of different things that people threw out. And, you know, what I found probably about 80% of those questions really revolved around was this idea of control. And, and they didn't even know it whenever they were asking. But... Um, yeah, I, I, so control looks a lot of different ways for different people. All right, so, and, and we go through different phases in our life. I, I have asked permission before I share this story. So, does anybody make your own household cleaners in here? All right, if you're in the middle of that phase, there is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I, I was raised with chemicals. Give me bleach and pledge. Bleach and Pledge, they're my friends. I like them a lot. And um, so, you know, Pledge leaves this nice goldeny shine and lemon smell that is just unbeatable. That's my wife groaning. <laughs> it's just unbeatable, it is. And, and my wife went through this phase um, for, I don't know, it's probably six months or so, where she wanted to control all of the chemicals that came into our house. She's like, I don't want any of the VOCs, the LOCs, I don't know, I'm just making up stuff now. Like, give me the volatile organic compounds. I'm good with this. 
But she was not. And so she went through this phase where she wanted to control all cleaners that come in. And, and, and like, if it was not uh, made by herself or made by a friend, like it was not coming into our house. And this, prevent, this presented some difficulties for us because I really like chemicals, but I was trying to go with the flow and be a good husband. And um, so she was like making her own toothpaste. And I'm like, nah, dog, I'm, I'm using Colgate, you know, extra whitening with the stuff in it. So she, she's making her own toothpaste out of who knows what, and it's gross looking, but it's keeping her teeth clean. She's doing the oil pulling with coconut oil. You've done that. Uh, all right, I know some of y'all's Pinterest pages, y'all are doing it, and y'all aren't admitting it. Um, you know, and, and so I was going along with it, whatever, as much as I could, and then you know, one day she, I came home and she had said, Brantley, I, you know, I did this, I did this. I also, I cleaned the bathrooms and whatever else. And I was like, awesome. You know, and so I'm the type of person where if I'm telling you I did something, I, I like words of affirmation. So I want you to come along, look at what I did and then tell me, you know what, Brantley, you did do a good job. All right. So that's what I do for my wife. She doesn't care about that, but it matters to me. So whenever she says, Brantley, I cleaned the bathrooms today. I'm going to walk into the bathroom every single time. I'm going to walk in, look at what she did, and then go, great job, Hannah. Really great job. It looks beautiful in there. I don't, it doesn't mean anything to her, but it does to me. So I, I do it. And so this one day, though, you know, we're in this phase. And I come home. She says, I cleaned the bathrooms. I'm like, all right, cool. So I walk into the bathrooms, and I'm like, oh, my. There is white film over everything in the bathroom. And I'm like, Hannah, what happened? Between the time that you cleaned and the time I got home, marshmallows came in here and rubbed themselves all over everything. And it was like this baking soda cleaner. This baking soda cleaner. She's like, no, it's clean. It's just the baking soda leaves some kind of film or something. And I'm like, it ends today. <laughs> so I, I pick on her at times, but she knows that I love her so much, and I cannot do life without my wife. Um, so, uh, but, but we all have control issues, right? So, you know, sometimes what that control issue looks like for you, maybe if you're a parent in here, right, and, and you're in the middle of uh, Walmart, no, Target, because we don't care what people think about us in Walmart. So <laughs> you're in the middle of Target, and your kids are freaking out. Your kids are freaking out and you start getting angry with your kids. You're like, shut up and sit down. Like, but I don't have anywhere to sit. I don't care, sit down. Right, why, why do we get angry with our kids? Like most of the time, our kids probably actually aren't acting that bad, right? They're, they're normal kids. And most of the people around us are going, oh, yep, been there, that's all right. You know, hang in there, you'll, you'll be good. And and, but we, in that moment, we feel highly insecure, or at least maybe it's just me, right? I, I feel highly insecure at times, like, man, what are all these people around going to think about me and my parenting if my child is acting up? Anybody felt like that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what we try to do is we try to control the situation. We try to control our kids. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't discipline or anything like that. I'm just saying that sometimes we take those levels to a, a whole nother level with our control issues. Um, maybe, maybe you uh, struggle with fear or anxiety over various uh, things. Like maybe your job, maybe you work really, really hard at your job. All right. I know we got a lot of hardworking people in here. Maybe, the problem with you working so hard is not that it's coming from a good place. 
Maybe your, your hard work is really just to prove that you're not the failure that you think you are. And, and so you constantly have to prove something every day. And, and, and where for some people working really hard is a good thing and it's fulfilling, for you it's draining because you're just fighting that fear every single day. You know what it's like to, to be fired from a job. You know what it's like to feel like you failed your family and can't provide anymore. You know what that feeling's like. And so every day you kill yourself looking for the approval and looking for that potential hope that maybe today I won't get fired. And, and so you're, you're trying to control that fear, control the insecurity, control the anxiety. Maybe for you, you've had uh, a loss of a child. Maybe it wasn't you, though. Maybe, maybe it was just a close friend or a family member who's experienced a miscarriage. And, and so now you are absolutely terrified to get pregnant. And you refuse to, to enter into that time of life because you're trying to control the hurt that you are afraid of. Some people struggle with alcohol and pill addictions or other such addictions, and it's not so much that they're addicted to the, to the, uh, to the side effects. They're, 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 they're not necessarily addicted to whatever that is, but they're addicted to not feeling the pain anymore. They're, they're addicted to not feeling the, the sorrow anymore because sometimes uh, we get caught up in, in this world of darkness and this world of tragedy. And, and so, you know what? I can't control the darkness. I can't control the tragedy. I can't control the pain or the sorrow that I experience. But what I can do for a short amount of time is I can control how I feel in this moment by taking another drink, by taking another pill. I can control just a little bit and so I'm going to hang on to that little bit of control that I have so that I can numb the pain and the stuff that I can't control. Maybe you're angry with God because I one from you. Bad things have happened around and, and now you're angry and what you're really angry about is the fact that you think you could be God better than God could be God. Because if you were God, let's just be honest, if you were God, you wouldn't have let that family member die, right? And that's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around, but, you know, and, and, and nobody in here, nobody in here walks around actively thinking, man, I think I could do a better job than God, but secretly in our subconscious, there is this, there is this small level of control freak issues inside of us that says, you know what, I might just be able to. And that's a hard road to walk. And, and so I, I told you this morning that I, I, haven't, I haven't ever heard a sermon that I really felt like was actually practical whenever it came to the ideas of control. And, and so that's what I want to do for you this morning, I, because there, there is something very practical to this. It, it, and, and what we have to do, though, is we have to understand where it comes from so that then we can move forward and, and understand the full context of control, because there's going to be something that you probably haven't heard before uh, any pastor tell you. All right, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, you have control over some of the things in your life. You do. And I'm not going to tell you to give everything over to God this morning. That's not what I'm going to say. Let's, if, you have a, if you have a phone that you can read your Bible on, you can go with me to Genesis chapter 3. You're not going to be able to read your Bible uh, physically this morning. 
Genesis chapter 3. Now, for those of you that have been around me for any length of time, you know that I go back to Genesis a lot, the first few chapters of Genesis. The reason why I go back to Genesis a lot is because there is a ton of theology in the first few chapters of Genesis. This is where a lot of the good, the bad, and the ugly came from. All right, and so this helps us understand where this started so that we can move forward with proper understanding. Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So here's the thing, right? We look at, we look at creation, and if we go back to Genesis 1, uh, we see where God put man and woman in the garden. And, and he says, You've, you're free to eat over everything. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I want you to rule over everything on this earth, and I want you to subdue it. And there's, uh, you're going to have control over everything on this planet with the exception of one thing. That one thing is that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so here's what I want to do, all right, in order to make this uh, a little bit more applicable. What God is saying is, is I'm the CEO of the earth and you're going to be my COO, right? You're going to be basically second in command. You've got access to everything on this earth with the exception of one thing because I'm going to be the boss. And you're going to have situations where you need to turn to the boss to get a little bit of help from me. Now, you have control over everything that you need control over. And then I'm going to be here and I'm going to reserve a little bit so that I can help you when you need it. That's what God's saying in the middle of this. But the, the serpent, Satan, comes along. And what we need to understand about Satan is that he was cast out of heaven. Why? Because he felt like he didn't have enough control. God had entrusted him with all kinds of stuff, right? We remember out of scripture, God had entrusted him with all kinds of stuff up in heaven. And so then he chooses to say, you know what? I don't have enough control, and you know what? I think I should be like God. Why? Maybe because I, I could do it a little bit better than God. And so he's cast out of heaven to the earth, and then what happens? He's already on the earth, and then man and woman come down, and God says, you rule and reign and subdue over everything. Satan was already down here. We were commanded. We were given the authority. We were given the ability upon first creation to rule and reign and subdue even the enemy himself. But then the enemy, it says, he's crafty. He's craftier than most. And so the enemy comes along and he says, I don't think you have enough control here. You need full control. You need to be the boss. And so he convinces them in that moment, you know what, maybe we do. Maybe there's something that God's holding out on us for and, and we should have control over everything. And so they take a bite and and that's whenever all chaos breaks loose. And, and so now we have plunged ourselves into a, a, a harder understanding, a muddier understanding of control on this earth. 
If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, we need to understand that God gave us control over a lot of circumstances in our lives. He did. Now, some of that has gotten muddied because sin entered into the world. God said, you are going to be second in command. Whatever you rule and reign over, that they're going to be the ones that are submissive to you. And so you have control in your lives. God issued that to you. He designed you to have control over circumstances in your lives. Unfortunately for us, sin entered into the world, and now we don't have control over everything that God wanted us to initially have control over. This is why Jesus had to come into our lives is so that he could start restoring as much back to us as possible. And now he says, all authority that's been given to me, that's Jesus, I am now giving to you, right? Jesus is the second in command. And he's saying, listen, I am trying to restore you back into your original creation so that you can start having control over some of the supernatural and natural stuff in your lives. But here's the, here's the hard part. You do live in a dark and fallen world. It's not going to be the same as it was in the Garden of Eden. So things got a little bit more complicated. So let's go to, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to see how some, of this, how, how some of this operates in our lives. First Corinthians is uh, after Romans, for those of you who are looking for it on your Bible app. First Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to go to verse 4 here. So um, some of you from the Pentecostal world know this as we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But this goes beyond that a little bit, okay? Because uh, the, Paul is talking to the Corinthian people, and if you've gone through most centuries, you've heard me talk about this a little bit. He, he's talking to the Corinthian people, and the Corinthians, they were uh, uh, peoples that, they, they served many gods, okay? They were pagans. They served uh, a god for this, a god for that, a god for this, a god for that. All kinds of different gods to do different things. And here's the interesting part about the, the, the pagan religion and, and the, the polytheistic religion. The, the polytheistic religion it, it is the idea that we want to be God. Now, that's weird, right? Because they're serving gods. But follow me for a second. Polytheism is, a, is a, it's a, in an act of control. They have different gods to do different things because they realize there are some things that are out of my control, but I don't like that there are some things out of my control and I need somebody else to do these things. So what they do is they practice very specific forms of worship so that they can get that quote-unquote God to do whatever they want them to do. So it's a backward sense of control. And so they're going about uh, their worship of their gods so that they can control every situation that they're in. That's why they have so many different gods. And, and, and that's why they have such specific forms of practice. And it, it messes with them because it doesn't always work out that way. Well, because, you know, they're, they're, they're going about everything the wrong, uh, from the wrong viewpoint, all right? They've got to understand in this moment that there aren't many gods and, and, 
and you can't get these gods to do just whatever the heck you want them to do because you don't like the circumstances. And that's, that's the heart of control is that we go out and we try to do whatever we can do to affect the situations around us constantly trying to control them for ourselves and what we think should happen. But here's where 1 Corinthians 12 comes in. It says, now, there are variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, I'm going to pause just for a second. We understand that the gifts of the spirit aren't just there for the heck of it, right? They're there to specifically accomplish God's will on the earth. And we are here to accomplish God's will on the earth. That's why we are looking at these gifts right now, all right? And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For those of you that may be new to some of these gifts of the Spirit, you know, maybe you're reading through that for the first time and you're like, man, how, how does any of that actually affect me being able to control the situations around me? Well, here's the thing. If you look at those, sometimes you need the word of knowledge in a, in a situation where somebody's coming at you and you're trying to figure out how do I talk to this person in a way that they're going to understand me because there's something that has clouded this conversation and I've got to be able to pierce through the cloudiness directly into this person's heart. And whenever you can start to have that word of knowledge, that word of wisdom, now all of a sudden your relationships start changing. Sickness has come into your family, and while we cannot uh, control on our own the, the, the miracles of healing, what we can do is we can engage with God, and if it lines up with his will in a moment, now all of a sudden that tragedy of sickness, we can bring about healing because one and the same God delivers that gift into our lives. And so now, all of a sudden, the things that seem outside of our control we can be linking back to God on these gifts. And, and so the problem that we face here is that we weren't designed to control everything. We were never designed to control everything. We were designed to control a lot. We were designed to rule and reign and subdue a lot. But now that we have sin in our world, now that we live in a dark place, how do we start understanding where that control issue lies? Let's go to 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So understanding that we're in a dark world, looking at 1 John, we understand that God is light. 
And I think that the message that God wants us to understand in this moment, this morning, is, is that you cannot change the fact that you were born in a dark place. This world is dark, and, and, and we're going to have tragedy that happens, right? So if, if we are in the middle of this darkness, right, what we do have some control over is where we take the light, right? And, and so we start, we start walking through, and, and here's the thing. I could, I could set the light way over here, right? I just threw my keys over here on the stage, right? So for those of you that have ever had a stressful morning, what's the first thing that happens? You lose your keys, right? That's the first thing that happens. How did they get in the fridge? I don't know. <laughs> but they're there, right? First thing that happens. You, you get stressed out. Man, things are going crazy. And, and now all of a sudden you start panicking. Everything seems to be out of your control. Then the kid has an explosive diaper. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this definitely did not fit in my plans. This is going to be a minimum of hazmat suit and three packs of wipes right? <laughs> this is not good. This is not working out. The coffee maker didn't work this morning like it was supposed to, and because uh, the, the kid is crazy, and, and, and now my keys are gone, and so, like, things get stressful real quick, and, and so we could stumble around, right, through tragedies, through various life stresses, and, and we could try. Look, if I come way over here, like, I could try to shine light. I can do my best. I can use the force, right, and be like, all right, and be all Yoda, but I'm not making light appear. It's still dark. It's still dark over here. And, and, and I can stumble around looking for what's going on and trying to understand what's happening. And here's the, here's the thing that's interesting. Just because I add light does not mean that tragedy has not happened around me. Just because I add light does not mean that things don't go wrong in my life. What it does do is it helps me navigate and find what is missing in my life. And we can start affecting change in our life if we simply start to realize, number one, I am in a dark world and that is not going to change. Some of y'all don't like that message. I'm not saying that we don't have the light of Jesus, but the fact is we live in a dark and fallen and broken world and tragedy, no matter how much you wish that tragedy and bad circumstances wouldn't happen, the fact is we live in this world and we have the ability to take the light with us wherever we go. Sometimes that's taking it into relationships, but here's the hardest part. Sometimes that means taking the light and looking in the dark places of our lives. A lot of our control issues actually stem out of the dark places in our lives that we refuse to shine light. And we can start taking the light wherever we want to go. And, and, and we, can start, we can start shining it in the dark places. And, and here's what ends up happening. Does it change the tragedy? No, it doesn't change the tragedy. But what it can do is, number one, help you navigate a little bit better. Number two, the things that you thought were completely destroyed in your life, the things that you thought there was no hope for anymore in your life, now all of a sudden, because I've got the light, I can see, you know what, this isn't destroyed. 
destroyed. It's just broken. And if I take a little bit of time and I take a little bit of light, now all of a sudden I can start putting the pieces back together and get my life back on track. Because whenever I was walking in darkness, it looked like there was no hope. But now that I bring a little bit of light into it, I've navigated my way over and I can start rebuilding the things in my life that were broken. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 1. I was driving down the road and God showed me this. Genesis chapter 1. I've never looked at it like this before. Maybe you have. And God said, you know, Brantley, why did I, why did I put Genesis chapter 1 in there for you? I was like, I don't know. So we could know how you created everything. He's like, no, that's part of it. But you know what the other part is? It's an exact representation of your life and my partnership. Check it out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. As you read on, then God starts speaking stuff into existence. And he says, the reason why I put that there not just to tell you about creation, but to tell you about yourself and to tell you about your partnership with me and what was going to have happen because this was written after the fall of man. And he says, this is now going to affect you in a different way because you, whenever I first created you, in this world, you were formless and void and darkness was all around you. But then as you come into a relationship with Jesus, light comes into your life. And as light comes into your life now, now all of a sudden, I can start speaking life into you. You introduce the light into the dark places and the Lord starts speaking life. Fruit starts coming out of your life. God's produce, God's abundance, can start coming out of your life. And it doesn't change that you're in a dark world, but what it does do is it brings light and life into your life. And so what the, the practical takeaway, the practical takeaway is that first we need to understand, all right? And, and I know this is, this is knowledge, okay? So first we have to understand that God is the one that ultimately is the whole of a lot of things in our lives. He's entrusted us with the control of a lot of things in our lives. And, and he's commanded us to rule and to reign, to subdue. But there's still things that whenever we reach the end of what we can do, that he has to take up control over. And, and so in, in the moment, what we need to be praying, because 
if you actively pursue this, you're gonna have a lot of conversations with God over the course of the next week. If you actively pursue this, because there's all kinds of different situations where you wish you had more control over them. And so what you need to start doing is you need to start praying, God, in this situation, what do you want me to have control over? What do you want me to rule and reign and subdue? And you wait for him to answer you. And he's gonna tell you what you should have control over. And then, whenever he's given you the answer, then you have to know, okay, if God has told me I have control over this and I don't have control over that, then that means that he does. And you have to just know that. And, and that's hard for some people because you like more action steps than just knowing that God's in control of, of whatever's left over. But here's the thing, right? Knowledge can affect your feelings. Knowledge of something can affect your feelings, right? If, if any of you have ever tried to lose weight before, right, you, there's this point in your, in your quest to lose weight where you stand in front of the mirror and you're like, man, I don't feel like I've lost anything. I still feel like I look the same. And then all of a sudden you get on a scale. You get on the scale and you look and you're like, well, how about that? I lost a couple pounds. And then you get back in front of the mirror and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I think I can see that. I'm losing it right around here. My face looks thinner. Right? You didn't feel walking into that situation. You didn't feel like you had lost anything, but then you get on the scale and the knowledge of what the scale has given you has now affected and changed your feelings and emotions in that situation. And that's what I'm saying. This morning, what you have the ability to do is walk out of here knowing God has given me control over some stuff. So you pray, Lord, in this situation, what do I have control over? What do you want me to rule and to reign over? What do you want me to subdue? in my life and then God's gonna give you that answer and then you have to say okay Lord if it's outside of my control at this point then you must be in control and you have this conversation with God and now the knowledge of understanding what God's in control of can now change the feelings and the emotions of what you cannot change and, and that's how you practically walk away with control God didn't say, Jesus, take the wheel. God did say, rule and subdue. And it's just up to us to have a conversation with him and say, what do you want me to rule and subdue today? And then help me to turn to you whenever I need your help. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, that you are the light, Lord. God, thank you, Lord, that you have given us the ability to shine your light in dark places, God. And Lord, whenever we take your light into those places, Lord, darkness cannot overcome light. Light will always affect the darkness. God, show us where you want us to rule and reign. Show us where, what you want us to subdue today. God, and then whenever we need it, God, help us understand with full knowledge and confidence that you have control over the rest. <laughs> Lord, I pray a blessing over these people as they go out this week, Lord. Thank you, God, for being glorious. Thank you for being mighty. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.